A Seahawks legend wants to wrap up his career in the Pacific Northwest. Will the team oblige? Nick Lee and I are going to investigate in our latest episode of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Thursday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue our post-draft coverage inside the Seahawks draft with Kenneth Walker, the running back out of Michigan State. Plus, I know May the 4th was yesterday. This is the way that the dominoes fell scheduling-wise. We're going to be comparing some Seahawks draft picks to Star Wars characters. So if you're not a Star Wars fan, you might learn something in the third quarter or you might become paranoid. We'll see what ends up happening when we get to that portion of the show, but it's going to be an exciting episode. We're pumped up to mix some pop culture references in with some Seahawks scouting reports. It's going to be a blast. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. At this point, the Seahawks currently don't have a single player on their roster from the Super Bowl 48 team after Russell Wilson was traded the Broncos and Bobby Wagner was released and then signed to the Rams. Is there a chance, though, that that might change and they actually have a player from that roster on the team in 2022? It may be possible. K.J. Wright on Trey Wingo's Half Forgotten History podcast today indicated that He's basically going to play for the Seahawks this year, or he's not going to play for anybody. It sounded to me, based on his statements, Nick, like it's Seattle or it's nobody. He's not going to be moving his family again. He wants to come back home, the place that he played his first 10 seasons in the NFL. He's a free agent. So maybe the door is open again for the Seahawks to right a wrong here and bring in the veteran, let him finish his career where it started. Yeah, I know there was some hand-wringing by fans and the locker room uh, when he was not retained and not brought back uh, after the 2020 season uh, when he was really had a career season in 2020. Um, and then he, he went to Las Vegas instead and and, and had, had an okay season and, and, limit, and limited uh, limited snaps, 51 tackles, pretty respectable, and, and limited action. And whenever I turned down a Las Vegas game, he usually made his presence known. Um, if, for me, this is one of those where – the, the Seahawks have, have kind of outgrown KJ Wright. And not, not to say that they're too good for KJ Wright or anything, but like just they're, they're different. It's a different, it's a whole different, pretty much an entirely different locker room, especially with uh, some of the players, like you mentioned, that have been jettisoned in the last few years. And also just the defensive, the scheme change, the coaching changes, the personnel changes. Now, this is a team that is, looks pretty much completely different on defense from when he was making his hay here in Seattle. And so for me, if you bring KJ right back in, really it's for two things. One, so you can say you have a guy from the Super Bowl winning team on your team roster again. And two, for the veteran presence in the locker room. And and which is, is valuable. That, that is absolutely valuable, especially with a team that's all of a sudden super young. I mentioned a while ago how DK Metcalf went from like the fourth youngest player on the roster to like, you know, a top 15 elder statesman. <laughs> Like literally almost overnight. So this team is pretty young. So you having a guy like KJ Wright, who's been around, who's won a Super Bowl in this city, um, certainly couldn't hurt. 
But I, speaking of Hurt, I think Clint Hurt and his defense uh, will be different. And with that worth more three, four looks, he just doesn't scream three, four style Sam linebacker to me. No, I think when you look at the Sam linebacker aspect, that's the biggest problem here because, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan, KJ Wright has always been a very popular player on and off the field. Fans obviously would love to see him come back and whether it's just for one season or two seasons, whatever it is, finish his career where he's played most of his career. I mean, he had the one year of the Raiders, but otherwise 10 seasons Seattle, it'd be nice to see him come back and be able to wrap things up in a very good career. Not a Hall of Fame career, obviously, but a very good career in Seattle. Let him finish it where it started. But this is a bottom line business. It's not about good feelings. And it's not that you can't have both. There have been instances where teams have brought back older players for a second stint, and they've been able to have success with that player back on the roster. It's happened before. But we've also seen plenty of times where Players have come back to Seattle. I'm just going to give this example. Brandon Browner coming back to Seattle in training camp and got cut. Just didn't have it anymore. Didn't Wasn't good enough to be on the roster. We've seen more of that happen with older players returning than the other way around. And I'm not saying that's how it would play out with K.J. Wright returning to Seattle. But even with Bobby Wagner being gone and a couple of players coming back from injury, Ben Burkirvan and John Radigan coming back from torn ACLs, there's some depth concerns of that position, but I look at the scheme and where K.J. Wright is at in his career. One of the reasons they didn't bring him back last season is because they didn't view him as a 3-4 outside linebacker. They were going to be playing those bear packages. It was too predictable what he was going to be doing because he's not a great pass rusher. You need a guy at those spots that can pin his ears back and get up to the quarterback, and that's just not K.J. Wright's game. It never has been it became predictable for the offense that he's going to drop back in coverage or he's going to play the run. He's not going to be blitzing very much. Now they've got four guys in that position that can do both. They can drop in coverage and they can be tears off the edge as pass rushers. KJ Wright just doesn't offer that versatility, especially at this stage of his career. And he's lost a few steps as an off ball linebacker. His instincts allow him to compensate, but at this stage he's going to be 33 in July. As an off-ball linebacker, he is going to get exposed in coverage if he's more than a situational player. I could see him having value if he wants to come in and finish his career on an affordable contract that's not much above veteran minimum, and he wants to be a guy that can come in in goal line situations and maybe even play some special teams if he wants to. You know, I could see the Seahawks being on board with that, but I can't see them being like, you know what, we're going to put you next to Jordan Brooks and you're going to be a starter again. I don't see them doing that with the scheme and the stages out in his career. It just, to me, the fit, unfortunately, just is not there. The leadership is a big deal because they're such a young team, and that would be an asset, which is why as a situational player, it would work. I just don't know that K.J. Wright's going to be on board with that, and the Seahawks, I don't think, are going to be on board with anything more than that, and that complicates this. Yeah, like I said, you, you bring him in, you're bringing him in for that veteran presence. You're not bringing him in here to be an impact player on the field. Um, just with with the the shift in in scheme, you know, and, and I think they really want to give Cody Barton a look back there uh, next to Jordan Brooks. And then yeah, you guys, you mentioned the the guys that uh, he just doesn't look like a guy that can kind of hang with Uchenna Nwosu, Boye Mafe, and those guys um, in, in, who would possibly take that position as well. So yeah, it's it is the fit isn't there. It, it's a different different scheme, different mentality. Obviously, 
fan favorite. I have a huge respect for him. I mean, you look at, you Google, you know, KJ Wright Seahawks, he's playing in the, uh, you know, 2010, 2011 uniform of the old, you know, the Navy, the, 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 just in the gray, like those old uniforms, old, you know, 10, 11 years ago. That's how long he's been part of this organization. So there, there's some there's huge respect, just a matter of fit and scheme and, and really do. And, but yeah, if, if both parties are on board with what the role you mentioned, you know, 25, 30% of the snaps, maybe on defense, especially in certain situations. Yeah. That's about, that's about what I would do. Um, anything more than that. And I don't know if it's worth it. Now, if they can figure out a way to do some sign stealing Houston Astros style and learn when teams are going to run screens, you can be like, hey, KJ, sprint in. They're running a screen this play. Trash can. Your defense is going to be incredible because we know that he can still blow up screens. And, and this is not discounting the player. I think KJ Wright can still play. We saw that for the Raiders last year. I just I don't know that he's a starter in the league, and I think it needs to be a 4-3 scheme. For him to be on the field. I thought he played the Sam spot great two years ago, but again, they were running a lot more 4-3 set. That's not where they are heading now with the other personnel changes they've made. It just it doesn't work unless it's going to be that situational role. And I think Seattle could find a way to get him on the field some and he could be an effective role player for them. I just again it's it's all boiling down to is KJ Wright willing to do that or or is it time to walk away? And I've learned with this organization never to rule anything out. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible. Again, if KJ Wright's willing to take on that lesser role for lesser pay just to ensure that he can continue playing and finish his career where he wants to finish it in Seattle, then certainly you could see the two sides come together and make something work out. I just, at this point, I don't see it happening, but we'll have to see because at free agency, there's still a lot of good guys out there. The Seahawks do have a little bit of cap space to work with. So with them having some depth concerns, guys come back from injury, maybe that could be something that they could explore. I would think if it does happen though, it's going to be a little while until we see some movement on that front. We're going to continue our inside the Seahawks draft series with the second, second round pick for the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back, out of Michigan State, looking at some strengths, weaknesses, and where he fits into Seattle's plans in 2022 and beyond. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. With Mother's Day coming up right around the corner, whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift that fits into every budget. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500 spent. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use the code LOCKEDON. Again, that's Locked On. Every order is insured and ships free and arrives in a discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm Corbett Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As always, we greatly appreciate it. Continuing our Inside the Seahawks draft series, we looked at Charles Cross to kick things off. Yesterday, Boye Mafe, the edge rusher from Minnesota, now we're going to flip to the pick that has still got a lot of Seahawks fans irate. And 
As soon as I saw the name pop up on the tracker that the Seahawks had taken, Kenneth Walker III, I thought, oh no, Seahawks Twitter is going to have a meltdown right now. And for about 10 minutes, that's what happened. And then you know how this goes, Nick. After about 10 minutes, you started to have some of those same people, you know, maybe this does make a little bit more sense and started to talk themselves into the pick a little bit more. Then you had some that were posting YouTube videos of Kenneth Walker III and realizing, wait a second, Kenneth Walker III is a pretty damn good football player. And so you started to see the mood shift a little bit. Of course, there were still the standbys. I saw plenty of people today like, this is still a horrible value pick. It's a running back. And where I stand on this at this point with Chris Carson's situation, what Pete Carroll said about his health, the uncertainty coming off neck surgery, it seemed pretty ominous to me. Pete Carroll didn't come out and say Chris Carson's not going to play, but it sure didn't sound encouraging to me. And I don't think they would have taken a running back at 41 overall if they believed that Chris Carson was going to be able to come back. And I think if you're looking for an insurance policy, Kenneth Walker III is a pretty darn good one that has the upside to be a pro bowler or even an all pro in the league. He's got that kind of talent. Yeah, he's not only an insurance policy, but kind of a hedge fund for the for after 2022 because yeah. like, like, you know, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson are both on one-year deals, and so you don't know the future uh, that holds there. So even if Carson does come back, there's no guarantee he he's there after 2022. And for me, uh, two count, two trains of thought. One is there was only maybe two or three, maybe four running backs in this draft that would move the needle. Like there, there's some solid running, but this is a decent running back uh, draft where he, he could probably plug and play this guy and he, he could probably you know, not be a liability. He could probably, you know, make, make some things happen be okay. There was only a couple running backs that would actually move the needle forward for me. And Kenneth Walker, the third was absolutely one of them. So if you thought maybe this, if you, you need a running back that that's going to be an eventual RB one in your system and you need him to move the needle, especially in, in a style that, that Pete Carroll wants in Seattle, Kenneth Walker at 41 was the, is the guy that you can't wait longer than that because at 72, you weren't going to get that. Uh, you weren't going to get that type of player. So for me, that this is maybe a bit of a reach, but at the same time, if you wanted a running back to, that to, to move the needle in your system, this is where you had to do it. And for me also, you know, it's not like they took him 15th overall or something. 41st, that's where a certain running back named Dalvin Cook went. And he's a pretty decent running back that I think moves the needle for the Vikings a little bit, in my opinion, when he's healthy. So if, if you know, that if Kenneth Walker becomes that kind of value, to the Seahawks offense, this is a home run. You look at the college numbers. He didn't even get to 600 rushing yards his first two years in college at Wake Forest, and he was very productive. His yards per carry average was excellent. He just was not the featured back. He split carries with multiple runners. He goes to Michigan State, a pro-style offense that he told reporters on Friday was a perfect fit for him, and all he does is exceed 1,600 rushing yards and scores 18 touchdowns on the ground. He's the Doak Walker Award winner. He's an unanimous first-team All-American selection, and I loved the tape. I just I viewed pick 72, and, and I've had some listeners on our show that have mentioned, you didn't think the Seahawks were going to draft a running back. I mocked a running back at 72 a couple of times during this process. I didn't think they would go in the second round, but if they were going to, Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall were the two guys that I thought made sense. And Damian Pierce, the guy, if he would have been picked at 41, everyone would have been throwing a conniption. But Damian Pierce was in that group for me. 
Those three guys were my top three running backs in this class. But Kenneth Walker, the third, checks off so many boxes the Seahawks look for at the running back position. He broke 85 tackles last year, according to Sports Info Solutions, which is fourth most in the country. He had over 1,000 yards after contact, which was first in the nation. He runs a 4.3840, so he's got home run hitting speed. And you can see it. When he gets to the perimeter, he's got blazing speed. And he can run between the tackles. Not necessarily a runner that's going to plow over people all the time, but he can. He'll lower his shoulder occasionally when he wants to. At 5'9", 211 pounds, plenty strong, plenty stocky to be able to move the pile a little bit when he needs to. Again, I don't see him being a Chris Carson type that's going to be just trucking people. But he runs with physicality. You can see the speed and the burst and the quickness, the ability to make guys miss in space. This guy, as a runner, is as close to a complete package as you're going to see coming into the league. And the fact that he has excelled in zone, gap, and counter schemes and been equally effective, you know that that excited Pete Carroll. And he even talked about it in his press conference. I asked straight up, how much does that help getting a pro-style guy like this? And you could see his face light up. And so this kid... He checks off all of those boxes. And those are the kind of guys that if you're going to draft a running back that early, it has to be that type of a player. He's just dynamic. Yeah. And he, like, like I said, he moves the needle. He, he's a guy that can, can inject life. And, and I know, you know, he played for the big in the big 10 and played against some, some awesome defenses. I know that he was stifled pretty bad against Ohio state late in the year, but he was, I, I tweeted this out a little bit ago when, or last week when he was drafted, that Michigan allowed, the Michigan Wolverines defense was one of the best defenses in football, if not the best last year. The reason why they made the college football playoff. They allowed only 11 rushing touchdowns all season. And Kenneth Walker III got five on him in one game. He yep. had almost, he almost accounted for half of the rushing touchdowns allowed by the Michigan Wolverines defense in one game. So he's he's used to the the top the top uh, competition, and he plays a, a bruising style that that the Big Ten offers yards after contact. What I like is one fumble and two hundred and seventy six touches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's huge, especially in the Big Ten where you play in some sloppy weather, some wet rain, snow, you name it. Yeah. And so he's going to face a lot of that here in Seattle. Maybe not you know driving lake effect snow, but certainly wet. And he's used to those kind of conditions, which I think offers which is which is helpful too. Um, I, I know this is kind of dangerous, but I, I like some of the, the traits he see from a. I, I see some traits in him that another former Michigan State running back that turned out pretty okay, a two-time All-Pro, Le'Veon Bell, that, that kind of that that patience and then just to burst through the hole and, and kind of can just wait out, wait out for a hole and, and, and get through. I think that Le'Veon Bell really excelled at that, and that's something that Kenneth Walker, maybe that's just something they teach really well at Michigan State, but um, so I just think I agree that he is one of the more complete packages in this class as far as running backs go. So if you had to draft a running back in this draft that is going to to push your offense forward with this new mentality, new quarterback that's going to be more run centered and more throwback to when the Seahawks were great. Kenneth Walker, the third was one of the best two running backs to do that. And I think there's some other qualities to his game that we haven't necessarily seen on the college field because Michigan state was not a team that threw the ball very much. And when they did, they weren't trying to dump it off to their running backs, but Kenneth Walker, the third's got soft hands. So I think he's a guy that can be much more productive in that capacity in the NFL. You mentioned the decisiveness, the patience. 
I do see some Le'Veon Bell from that standpoint. I think he's a much better athlete than what Le'Veon Bell was coming in, at least from a straight line speed standpoint. Has a lot more burst than what Le'Veon Bell did coming into the league. Sometimes that patience can get guys in trouble when they come to the NFL. So I think decisiveness is something. He's going to have to be more decisive hitting the crease because those creases close real fast in the NFL. Even for a guy that can move like Kenneth Walker III, those get closed up quickly. So you got to be decisive, and sometimes patience can be a detriment. And you can see that on his film sometimes. So I think that's something that the coaches will be hammering home with him, depending on the type of run scheme they're doing. My big issue with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker III, and this is the running back coach coming out of me, there were two things that were imperative for you to play for me. You had to be able to hold on to the football. Kenneth Walker III's been able to do that. As you mentioned, one fumble. He's got great ball security. The second thing, you better care about protecting your quarterback and picking up blitzes. And I don't know that it was an effort thing or not. Sometimes that can be tough to decipher when you're watching guys in pass protection. And sometimes it can just be hesitancy that almost comes across as lack of willingness to do it. That's what I see from Kenneth Walker III. I don't see a guy that wants to go up and get into the fight in pass protection. I don't see the want to. I don't see the attitude. So that was something that I docked him significantly on in his draft profile. I liked Brees Hall in that capacity a lot better just because I saw a go-getter in Brees Hall, and I didn't see that in Kenneth Walker. Now, you better do that in Seattle, or Pete Carroll and Chad Morton are going to be like, you want to play? That's not happening. You better be able to pass protect from the backfield. And I'm certain that he can do it. It's just going to boil down to, do you have the mindset? Can you work on the technique? Don't be a catcher standing back right next to the quarterback. Because you did that in the NFL. You're going to get tackled and the quarterback's going to get tackled. So that to me is the biggest area of concern. And it's a big one. Because in today's NFL, you better be able to pass protect or you can't be an every down back and it, it, it becomes predictable for teams, too. If they know you're throwing the ball and you've got a guy that, you know, quite frankly, doesn't want to protect back there, it makes it a field day for teams that like to blitz and be aggressive coming after the quarterback. So that is something he is going to have to hit from day one and get a lot better at. Yeah, I mean, you get to, you know, third and three and all of a sudden Walker is running off the field and here comes, you know, Travis Homer or DJ Dallas or whoever. You go, oh, here we go. Here's the pass, you know. That that's that could be problematic for sure. Uh, you don't want to become predictable that way. So I, I think to really justify a four, and again, he's not what was Penny twenty six overall, twenty eighth overall. I forget exactly twenty seventh or twenty seventh, twenty seventh overall. Um, he's not you know first round. He's not you know top ten pick. He's forty first, and the Seahawks got two presumably blue chip guys ahead of him in the draft in Boye Mafe and Charles Cross, and that's where Dalvin Cook went at forty one. So this is not some unreasonable. You know, outside the box Seahawks reach. This is, I think, a very reasonable place to take a guy like him. He and 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 really, there are some flaws, but there's a reason why he went 41st overall and not you know top 20. And that's that's the reasons pretty much you just mentioned. So if that's the only thing wrong with Kenneth Walker, though, and everything else is is pretty solid. I, I think at least some first and second down is going to be a, a really good <laughs> investment. But I think to really to justify taking a 41st overall pick on a guy like Walker. He's going to have to develop into a three-down back, which, of course, can come with coaching. Coming up here in our next segment, Nick and I are going to find out if the force is with us or not. And I know yesterday was May 4th, but we're going to pretend that today is May 4th. And we're going to break out some scouting reports of Seattle's new draft class, Star Wars style. You won't want to miss it. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports informational needs. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby returns. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports and wagering informational needs, whether it's live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm Corbett Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's time to go to a galaxy far, far away. And again, I know yesterday was May 4th, but dang it, today is May 4th on Locked On Seahawks because Rob would laugh about this. Rob and I were actually thinking about doing this segment yesterday, and Rob just point blank told me, look, I've watched some Star Wars, but I am not a Star Wars nerd like what you and Nick are. And so I felt like this needed to be saved until our episode for the week. And how we're going to do this, I wrote an article yesterday. Some of you that are listening may have already read it. I created scouting reports for all nine of Seattle's draft picks this year with a little bit of a Star Wars twist. And Nick admittedly had some objections to some of the picks that I made. And this is how scouting works. You know, one guy says, I think he plays like this guy. And then another scout says, no, I see more of this guy. So we're going to be playing that game a little bit here with some Star Wars-centric spins. So without further ado, let's get to the first round pick, Charles Cross. And I'm just going to throw you the mic here first. Charles Cross... Which Star Wars character does his skill set remind you of? Well, I, first off, I don't know about objections. Well, my favorite things about Star Wars is just the vast universe it has created where there's so many ways you can go. And, and for me, Charles Cross, you know, he's been he's that trusted, that 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 big hope you have at left tackle, that guy that 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 really you're you're putting all your hope into as the guy that can get it done at left tackle and protect a young quarterback, perhaps keep everyone at a distance. Uh, from from the quarterback, whoever it may be, and and so this might be the only one we agree on today, Corbin. A spoiler: I, I'm going to go Obi Wan Kenobi for Charles Cross. I just think that that's it's just a no brainer, just with the, the protection. You know, I don't know if he negotiates well, but and you can be the <laughs> negotiator. But as far as keeping, he's his trouble, own agent. That's something else to consider. He's his own agent. There you go. I didn't even think about that. So Obi Wan Kenobi, ah, the negotiator. Yes. <laughs> So for me, you know, he keeps trouble at a distance and we are we are launching a lot of hope his way. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, the negotiator. Yeah, I, I think that that one, there's really no other pick you can make. And I think we've just outlined why. I mean, he's his own agent, so he clearly knows how to negotiate. He's a protector. He's looking out for the best in the entire offense. Everybody behind him holding their welfare. I mean, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's a pretty easy pick. Now, Second round, here we go. Boye Mafe. I'm going to throw it to you again here real quick. Boye Mafe is one that I actually had a couple characters come to mind while I was looking at his skill set. But who do you compare Minnesota's former pass rusher with? Now, I hope this doesn't come off wrong. Um, but I, I'm just looking at, at his, you know, he's he's raw. You know, he's, there's some mystery to him. And, but he, we, we know that he's a warrior. And... So mysterious warrior, you know, maybe raw ability, um, you know, don't know too much about him, at least until the most recent series that's a bit uh, embattled in Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett. I go that Boya Mafe is a Tuscan Raider, sand people. 
and and because they are savage warriors, fierce, fearless warriors, uh, but uh, pretty mysterious and maybe not refined and polished like some other warriors in Star Wars, but very dangerous. And you kind of get if you watch the book of Boba Fett, you know they get fleshed out a little bit more. And really, I started to root for them a little bit. And now that I watch other stuff with them, and I go, hey, you know that's why they're doing that. Um, but for me, it's just the the unpolished yet fierce warrior with with a lot of raw tools. Uh, I, I like that in, in Boya Mafe, and, and just don't, don't cross him, and uh, you know don't cross his land without permission. See, I'm going to go with a more simple take here, but I like some of the pointers that you made. I just mentioned Charles Cross as Obi Wan. Boye Mafe is Luke Skywalker because he's coming into the league. He's going to be a 24 year old rookie. He's a pretty old rookie, and you may remember Luke Skywalker. Yoda said he was too old to train, but this is a guy that's got all the physical tools, and you already started to see it come together the last couple of years at Minnesota. Then he blew up in the Senior Bowl, was near unblockable the entire week, was defensive player of the game in the actual All Star Showcase. And he's got great size, 261 pounds. I mean, again, he just looks to me like Seattle's chosen one to fix this pass rush that's been a problem the last couple of years. And he's got a lot to learn. He's got to finish his training. But if he does, this is a guy that Clint Hurt, master Clint Hurt that, can turn into a dynamic pro bowl, maybe even all pro caliber rusher because of the physical traits and the hand technique that he plays with. Now, we talked Kenneth Walker last quarter, so we're not going to spend too much time on him. Our listeners know who Kenneth Walker is and his strengths and weaknesses, but who does he compare in your Star Wars universe to? This, I think this is one of the harder ones for me. Um, yeah. Just with his his droid-like consistency last year, lots of tools, a quick trigger, and really gunned down Michigan pretty pretty handily, um, at least by himself. And, and you've got a lot of you know moving parts and guns and all that stuff. I'm going to go IG-88, the the bounty hunter from Mandalorian slash other places. But really, he got he got his uh, it got its uh, screen time in, in Mandalorian. Just plenty of weapons, plenty of, you know, firepower and just quick trigger and, and really um, has a lot of moving parts and tools and consistent. At least he was last year. I know that that 2019 and 2020 at uh, Wake Forest was a different story. But at Michigan State last year, he was that guy that they could call upon to get a job done, even some of the dirty work in the trenches. Um, so I'm going to go IG-88, the bounty hunter. i got to go with another Jedi for my uh, comparison here. Mace Windu, who I believe is not dead. I'm waiting to see him come back in a, a new Star Wars series. Maybe the new one, Obi-Wan Kenobi, coming out. Maybe we will see Mace Windu return. But Really, the big reason why this comparison jumps out to me, Kenneth Walker, if you've ever listened to him do an interview, him talking to John Schneider on the phone, this guy is all business. He's quiet, very reserved, and he's a traditionalist. He wanted to play in a pro-style offense. He didn't want to play in that college spread game that Wake Forest was doing for two years. He, he's like Mace Windu, who defied anti-Jedi traditions. He is the same way with offensive schemes, and Seattle is going to run that pro-style scheme. They're going to run the ball consistently. It's a perfect fit for a traditional runner and one of the few teams that still loves to bring in a guy like that. And so I see a lot of Mace Windu in Kenneth Walker III when he runs the football. Now let's go to the third round here. Abraham Lucas, local kid from Washington State, another tackle and I had a lot of fun with this one, but I think you might have had more fun 
making a comparison with this pick. Oh, I don't know. I, I hope if Abraham listens to this, or Abraham Lucas listens or watches this, he's not offended. This is meant as a compliment. Um, but the ones I, when I tried to come up with Abraham Lucas, all of them became animals. All of them became, you know, monsters and, and not, not humanoid or, you know, Jedi characters. And I think that's a compliment to him. So I'm thinking long, you know, rangy and mean and, and nasty rancor. He's a rancor. I mean, and, and maybe that might've been an insult until, you know, the book of Boba Fett where, you know, the rancor got his got a little bit more due as well. He kind of played King Kong there at the end. Um, spoiler, I guess, if you haven't seen that work. I don't know if Abraham Lucas is going to level half of Moss Espa, but, you know, he's he's got that that length and maybe not the most agile, you know, fluid, athletic offensive lineman to ever live, which, you know, Rancors are not that in, in the Star Wars world, but they are fierce, they are loyal, and they're nasty, and, you know, don't, don't, don't get on their bad side, and then they can do some serious damage. Um, so I'm going to go there. I'm going to go <laughs> Rancor for Abe Lucas. Some of our listeners might be wondering, what about the Wookiees? Well, I think Chewbacca is the perfect comparison for Abraham Lucas because you're talking about a guy that is loyal. He's a man of faith. The quarterbacks, the running backs, the skill players behind him, he's going to do whatever he can to protect them. And he's going to do it with a bit of an edge. Anybody that threatens the people behind him, again, really nice guy, but he can turn the light switch on in the football field and be nasty coming from an air raid and running gun offense. He plays with more physicality and violence. You'd anticipate all the Seahawks got to hope is that he doesn't rip an opponent's arm off. That's got to be the one thing they're keeping their fingers crossed for. But I see a lot of Chewbacca like qualities and that would be a good thing as an offensive lineman. Absolutely. Now let's go to our day three players here. Real pick uh, real quick pick number one Oh nine. The Seahawks pick Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. Jim Thorpe Award winner, best defensive back in college football, lasting all the way to the fourth round. Who is your Star Wars comparison for Kobe Bryant? Well, I, I just his attitude, you know, just reading some of his, I, I didn't get to watch his press conference, but listening to it and reading about it, um, doesn't sound like a kid that backs down from a challenge. Doesn't sound like a guy that that is scared uh, of some expectations, and especially when he's opposite Sauce Gardner, Cincinnati, he he welcomed the balls his way because the quarterbacks weren't throwing to Sauce. So he he welcomed that challenge, and, and he, feel, he felt like he could take on the entire offense by himself. I'm going to go Dak Ralter, the co-pilot from Hoth, strictly for that. I, I really hope that his uh, that Kobe Bryant's NFL career is a bit longer than Dak's screen time on Planet Hoth as Luke's uh, – Luke's co-pilot since he got fried about three seconds after he said he fam famously said he feels like he could take on the whole empire by himself when well the empire and en quickly ended that but hopefully you know Brian's career lasts a bit longer but just that attitude you know I feel like I can just do this all myself in, in a good way where he just welcomes the challenge um, maybe a bit of an edge and a bit of a, a, a good edge and a good chip on your shoulder I just like that that I think he's got a le little legion of boomy kind of attitude about him as far as welcoming the challenge. This was my favorite one in the entire exercise because to me, it's the most underrated character in Star Wars. Yes. And it's a perfect character to be, character to be compared to if you're a secondary player. I've got to go with Hondo Onaka, who is from the Rebels and Clone Wars cartoon yes. series. He is a well-known pirate with a bit of swagger and a bit of sarcasm. I should say a lot of sarcasm. And... 
What he's really good at is pulling off heists. And this is a kid, Kobe Bryant, not the greatest athlete, but man, he knows how to get his hands on the football. Nine interceptions the last four years, 26 pass breakups, very instinctive. He plays like a robber in the secondary. And so the qualities that he has that are pirate-like are qualities you want to have on the football field. The Seahawks just have to hope that uh, – He's a bit more efficient than what Hondo is with his business. But nonetheless, uh, when he does hit, you know he's going to be making some big plays. Looking at our last three picks here real quick, Nick, we're going to have to run through these fairly fast. Our last three picks here, we've got Tyreek Smith, Bo Melton, and Derek Young. Real quick, who are the three characters you compared for those three late draft picks for the Seahawks? For me, the the, the Tariq Woolen, the, the corner I wanted to highlight too, just with the, his arms and his, his length. Imagine him with four arms and four lightsabers. Tariq Wollen is my general grievous. Now he's he he just ha, just that those. I don't know. I can't get over how long and lanky he is, and athletic and fierce, and chiseled like he's made of metal, you know. And so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> general grievous for Tariq Wollen. And as as far as uh, as as Bo Bo Melton's or no Smith, um, for me the. Uh, the, I, I I wanted to throw in one of the, the women characters because I think the women of Star Wars are underrated. And this one, especially as, as he was at Ohio State, underrated. Sabine Wren is is extremely underrated as a, as a warrior. She's crafty. She And she loves explosives, just like he is explosive <laughs> as an athlete, or he can be. So I'm going to go Sabine Wren for him, even though that's... You know, brave across gender thing, but who cares? Sabine Wren's awesome. Doesn't matter the gender. And for Bo Melton, this one <laughs> kind of made me laugh. Um, he was, you know, Bo Melton was one of the brighter spots in a, a struggling, you know, lackluster Rutgers football team. Kind of like a certain actor was kind of the shining moments uh, or shining stars of a lackluster sequel trilogy. And that is Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac. Uh, he was he was one of the lone bright spots of, of a pretty underwhelming trilogy. I think we both can agree. And Bo Melton was a star, or he should have been a star, a, a bright moment in what is a pretty lackluster Rutgers program. I think that he kind of outshone um, talent-wise the, the talent around him, much like Oscar Isaac did in the three movies of the sequel trilogy. So that's what I'm going with, and I'm sticking to it. Well, as far as the rest of my picks here, I did slip over Tariq Woolen somehow. I had to go with K2SO from Rogue One because he looks like he was engineered in a droid factory with the incredible speed and leaping ability at six foot four. Again, we've never seen anybody like that. And that was a droid that was reprogrammed. He was an Imperial droid, then reprogrammed to be with the Rebellion. Freak Roland was a receiver and they've reprogrammed him now to be a cornerback. He's still learning the craft. And so a really raw but high upside prospect that, again, I see a lot of droid-like characteristics with him because it looks like he was made in a lab or something. You just don't see athletes like this grow on trees. And then my next couple ones here, Tyreek Smith. I'm going Rebels for this one. Zeb Aurelios, who is one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars, in my opinion. It just He's just tough, and he battles through injuries. And got a little bit of an underrated first step when he is getting ready to fight and a great hand technician hand-to-hand combat both these guys are fantastic 
And I see them as underrated pieces. This is a kid that if he's able to stay healthy, has a chance to be a very reliable rotational reserve, might not get a lot of attention like he deserves. Same with Zeb, who was always coming through in the clutch with the Rebels from Lothal in that series. And then the two seventh-round picks, Bo Melton and Dariq Young. For Bo Melton, this is a guy that ran a 4-3-4 40-yard dash, and a lot of people were saying he's going to be a fourth-round pick or he's going to even be a third-round pick. And he kept falling and kept falling and kept falling. It was almost like when Darth Maul got betrayed by Darth Sidious. And now that he's a seventh-round pick, the Seahawks finally stopped his free fall. He can now take out his revenge on the rest of the NFL. He can show himself and his elite speed to the rest of the NFL, hopefully with decent quarterback play, something he never got at Rutgers. The one good thing, he was never split in half with a lightsaber. And then Dariq Young, I went with Qui-Gon Jinn for this one because this guy is an engineering and physics graduate, extremely smart. He is a uh, thinker first and foremost with great physical traits and just doesn't fit the mold of what you would normally see a guy getting picked in the seventh round with his freakish athleticism. And I just see him bucking a lot of trends here, being a guy that has that great academic background to go with his athleticism. And Qui-Gon Jinn was kind of that same way, being, you know, wanted to be in the background, in the periphery, wasn't on the council. This is a guy that was a Division II player, wasn't in Division One or even the FBS division. And yet here he is making it to the NFL. And he's got the skills and the smarts to potentially make it for quite some time in the league. One of the players in this draft class that I'm most intrigued by as we head toward rookie minicamp. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. We promise we won't post too much Star Wars stuff, although Obi-Wan no, is I don't. coming out soon. So <laughs> maybe that was a bad promise to make on the show. But Follow us on Twitter. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. When I return tomorrow, I'm going to be tackling your questions, our weekly mailbag segment, and I'll be chatting more about Abraham Lucas in our Inside the Seahawks Draft series. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.